Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield here in the big chair for today, Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. And friends, we actually have a game to talk about. It has been a long, arduous journey to this point. But we have a New England Patriots game to get ready for Thursday night. The Patriots open up their preseason action with the Washington football team. First half of the show, we're going to talk about what I'm going to be watching for on both sides of the ball from, honestly, from both teams because I think the Washington football team is fascinating to talk about. And part of that is, yes, living down here in the DMV, I get a lot of Washington football team stuff pumped into my ears 24 hours a day. I get asked to go on shows here in the D.C. area, and I get... Asked about the Washington football team. So, of course, I'm paying attention to them. Before we do that, though, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do a follow along on the Stakem app at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check out the work of USA Today's Touchdown Wire. I'm going to talk about a piece I wrote and the SIS Data Challenge in the second half of the show. Also, check out Big Blue View. We're going to be cranking things up over there. I'm going to have a recap of the Giants offense um, sometime over the weekend. Also, Bleeding Green Nation. Episode 2 of the rebooted QB Factory should be hitting your BGN, Bleeding Green Nation, Bleeding Green Radio feeds at some point. Uh, Ray Show, Prevett and myself, uh, breaking down quarterbacks from an Eagles perspective. We talked Jalen Hurts, we talked offenses, we talked little Dwayne Haskins. So look for that episode dropping soon. Also, give her a follow on the Twitter at, app, on the Bird app, at Ray Show Monique. Let's talk Patriots. Let's talk Washington football team. Let's talk when the Washington football team has the football. What I'm going to be watching for, what I'm going to be looking for Thursday night when this game kicks off. The first thing I'm going to be looking for, cornerback depth and cornerback rotations. I know that there's a lot of excitement, generally speaking, about the Patriots starting defense, right? Like if you start thinking about Patriots, whether it's a 4-2-5, whether it's a 3-3-5, whether it's a 3-2-6, whatever, there's excitement generally about the Patriots starting defense when healthy. But there are some questions sort of arising and emerging about cornerback depth after, you know, J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, who is still on pop, the physically unable to perform list. You know, in talking to people in and around camp, uh, getting reports from camp. Jalen Mills, Juwan Williams, a bit shaky right now. And they're not the only ones that have sort of been on the shakier side, say, at the cornerback spot. 
You know, also with respect to cornerbacks being a bit shaky right now, you know, Michael Jackson, um, who acquired from Detroit, has been a bit shaky at times. And so while we expect your three cornerback package of Gilmore, Jackson, Jones, maybe Miles Bryant to be relatively solid, after that's a question mark with Mills, with Jawan Williams. Do we dare say, does Jawan Williams make this team? So I'm going to be focused on, you know, and given that this is the first preseason game, we're expecting a lot of run from the twos and the threes and the fours. I'm going to be curious to see how the corners play in this game. You know, because we might see J.C. Jackson for a series or two. After that, how do the rest of the guys hold up? So cornerback depth, cornerback rotations. Kyle Duggar, how much do we see him? And what kind of situations and roles is he used in? Now, I know it's preseason game one. We expect things to be largely vanilla schematically. There's not going to be a lot of exotic looks, fronts, and coverages. You know, but do we see him down in the box? Do we see him in the slot? Do we see him single high, double high? How are they using Kyle Duggar? I am expecting big things from him this year. And so I'm curious to see how they use him preseason week one. Multiple linebacker packages. Here's what I sort of mean by that. I was on one Patriots place with the brilliant, you know, Claire, Steve, and Murph um, earlier this week. And Steve Ballesteri, who's brilliant, love love, love all three of them. Um, he asked me about the linebacker group, the depth at linebacker, and whether we see, like we saw a couple years ago, four or five linebacker packages. And I'm curious to see if we at least see a snap or two of, say, Judon, Van Noy, Bentley, Hightower, and Uche all on the field at the same time. Do we see some four and five linebacker packages? Because I think there's a way for this defense to be extremely multiple with these four and five linebacker packages that we have seen in the past. And I know in an era where everybody is getting light and fast and 11 and 10 personnel saying we're going to see four or five linebackers on the field is a bit, say, out of left field. But I also think we're going to see teams do a lot more with 12 and a lot more with 21, like I'm going to get to in a second. And so you might want to have that club in the back. And so I'm going to be very curious to see if we see five linebackers on the field at the same time. If we see a base 3-4 or a, you know, a base you know 4-3 look with some over possibilities there. And so multiple linebacker packages. Also going to be very curious, interior defensive line rotations. Now, I'm more curious when Christian Barmore is back. He was out again on yesterday, Tuesday. Um wasn't seen at practice, so I would expect that he's a no-go for Thursday night. Um, so maybe we you know, put a pin in that for preseason game soon when he's back and healthy. But those are the things that I'm looking for defensively from the Patriots. When Washington has the ball, I'm curious, DME Brown. I remain a DME Brown stan. Um, I've seen some footage of him running routes at camp that has me extremely excited. So I'm curious to see how much run he gets and how he looks. I want to see some Taylor Heineke. I want to see some Taylor Heineke. I've been a, a Taylor Heineke fan dating back to his days at Old Dominion. So I want to see him get some snaps. I'm curious to see how he looks. I want to see how much they play Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I, I, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of gives them something they've been missing the past couple of years, which is consistency at the quarterback position. I also want to see, look, their offensive line. I'd expect we'd see a lot more of you know the second unit, but I do want to see how that group looks. The right tackle spot is a bit of a question mark for them. Uh, Cornelius Lucas is sort of listed as the de facto right tackle starter, but you know does he eventually lock on to that job? 
there are some question marks behind them. Did they slide Samuel Cosby, their left tackle, that they drafted in the second round? Did they slide him at right tackle? Does he see the potential to win that job at right tackle? So that's some of the stuff that I'm curious about when Washington has the football. But odds are, if you're listening to this show, you're very focused on the New England Patriots offense, right? And it kind of makes sense. Guy that thinks he knows a little bit about quarterbacks. Patriots obviously have a quarterback question. So let's focus now on what I'm looking for when the Patriots have the football. And I want to start with this idea. It was put in my head while I was on that one Patriots place with Claire and Murph and, and Steve. My I was reminded of a piece that the brilliant Deontay Lee wrote over at Pro Football Focus. It was a piece titled, Why 21 is the New 12. You know, and everybody said, you know, nickel is the new base and things like that. And Deontay looked at it and said, I want to come up with a phrase of my own. 21 is the new 12. And you're going to see, you know, two running back, 21 personnel, be sort of an en vogue def- offensive package, offensive personnel package this year. And it's a brilliant piece over PFF. Go check it out. Could the Patriots do that? And And here's where my thought is on that. Hunter Henry, the shoulder injury... The spidey sense is tingling, right? The spidey sense is tingling because it started that he might miss some time. Now he might miss some of the preseason. Now it might miss most of the preseason. This already seems like it's starting to expand a bit. And we all sort of expected when the Patriots signed John o. Smith and Hunter Henry that this was going to be a heavy 12 personnel, two tight end team. Does 21 become the new 12? Do we see more two running back packages from this team than perhaps we expected, right? A lot of people are wondering how are they going to, you know, you've got Damian Harris and James White and Sonny Michelle and Ramondre Stevenson. You've got Jakob Johnson, Brandon Bolden. How do you get all these guys opportunities and touches? Well, you run more 21 pony packages or even 20 pony packages, right? three receivers and two running backs. Do we see some of that? We might not see it, say, Thursday night. It might not be a card that they want to show. But I'm very intrigued to the idea of, say, of a Ramondre Stevenson and a James White in the backfield at the same time. Or Jakob Johnson and Damian Harris, your, your basic 21 personnel. Or White and Jakob Johnson. When suddenly... What you're expecting to be, you know, an eye formation. Suddenly, White becomes your single back, Jakob Johnson in the wing. Now it's more of a 12 personnel look, akin to what Deontay Lee was talking about. So I'm very curious. We might not see it Thursday night. Again, it might not be a card they want to show, but do we see some of that at some point this preseason? Especially if the Hunter Henry injury lingers on. As we talked about, you know, cornerback rotations, I want to see receiver rotations. How much of... You know, Kendrick Bourne do we see? How much of Nikhil Harry do we see? Has Nikhil Harry sort of played himself into a wide receiver two-slash-three role with this team? Is the year three leap from Nikhil Harry actually happening before our eyes? So I'm curious to see that. Concepts, generally speaking. I know, again, I've said it a lot. It's going to be vanilla stuff. They're not going to show their entire offense. But I want to see the flavor of it. You know, this is like an amuse-bouche. I've used that phrase a ton today. But this is like an amuse boost to the entire preseason, to the entire season. And I want to just get a flavor for it. What does the offense look like generally? Does it have a more downfield feel to it? Is it more quick game stuff? Is it? Is there going to be a lot of play action? Is there going to be a lot of RPO stuff to it? Is it 
primarily zone in the run game or a mixture of the two or primarily gap power in the run game? Do we see some some duo stuff? Do we see some designed QB runs? Probably not in the preseason, but maybe. Um, so those are the things that I'm thinking about conceptually. And of course, Cam and Mac, I know there's going to be a lot made of you know their production. I want to see the decision-making, the time, and the rhythm. I want to see if they're decisive. I want to see if the game is slowing down for Mac. I want to see if the game is slowing down for Cam. It's his second year in this new system. I want to see if the game is starting to come to him, if we're seeing anticipation throws or not. And so those are the things that generally I'm looking for. I also, as we start to weave Washington into this, offensive line versus defensive front. Washington has potentially one of the best defenses in the NFL, their starting group. I don't know how much we're going to see of their starting group, but, you know, it's still a unit that has a surplus of first-round picks in the defensive front. Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. And that's four guys on their defensive line that were first-round picks. You add in Jameen Davis, that's five in their defensive front seven that were first-round picks. And so I want to see how this offensive line, how the parents work on our guys, if you know our starting five goes, Dave Andrews has been dinged, how that group handles those guys when those guys are on the field. That's going to be a fantastic litmus test because we all sort of expect, look, in terms of things to worry about on the Patriots' offense, offensive line is like near the bottom, if not the bottom. Maybe offensive line depth could be a concern as Andrews, you know, has his injury and, you know, God forbid somebody else goes down. But I do want to see how that group performs against those guys when those guys are on the field. And, of course, generally umbrella umbrella coverage situation. Let's get out of this healthy, right? Let's see this team get out of this game healthy. No major injuries as we start to wind down towards the start of the regular season. So that's sort of my look at what I'm going to be watching for on Thursday night. Next week on next Wednesday's show, I'm going to have sort of a recap of what I saw and then, of course, a preview of preseason game number two. You might be wondering, Mark, why aren't we going to get like an initial reaction? I'm going to be at the beach next week, and so I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Yeah, perfect timing. I know. Um, so you're just going to get the one show next week. But don't worry. Once we get closer to the regular season, we're going to kick things back up to two shows a week. But for now, you get the one, and hopefully you're happy with it. Up next, I'm going to talk a little bit about the SIS Data Challenge yet again. Um, That's ahead here in episode 198 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now. And I wanted to take a couple moments here, talk a little bit about the SIS Data Challenge again. And a piece that I did over at USA Today that touched on wire, building off of that that came out earlier this week. And for those of you that missed it last week, I was in the SIS Data Challenge with a, a team of three incredible, brilliant minds, Dr. Bud Davis, a geologist by trade, and two NFL next-gen researchers and analysts, uh, Keegan Abdo and Joey Fariola. Um, last Wednesday night, after episode 197 went to air, 
Uh, they had the live finals judging competition portion. Um, we heard the presentation from the person that won the, there were two different tracks. There was the general football and then there was the betting analysis track. We heard the person that won the betting analysis and then there were three presentations in the general football track. Uh, there was a Joey Druzzi, uh, Joey C, who I believe is on Twitter at one Patriots data or something like that, our Patriot stats or something like that. I forget his name. Um, the two of those guys were individual submissions. They both presented and then our team presented ours. There were questions from, you know, Matt Macherio, who's one of the higher ups at SIS, Seth Walder, who obviously runs ESPN's analytics shops, uh, Coach Rick Neuheisel. I had some questions as well. Um, then they judged and they announced our group as the winner and it was fantastic and it was a ton of fun to be a part of. And if you didn't get a chance to see that competition, you can watch the judging finals. It's on YouTube. We're at like the 103, uh, the one hour and three minute mark. You can see our, our portion of the presentation. But I did want to focus on just a little bit of what we did. And this was one of the many things I found fascinating. And I have to sort of remind you about sample size because sample sizes that we're dealing with are small. For example, we looked at every route concept versus every coverage to try to figure out what concepts work best against each coverage. And we stripped out concepts that were paired up with coverages 24 times or less. Um, and we built a convul convulsion neuron network to like learn to have a machine learn like routes and concepts and to pair them up and all that stuff, which you can get into more if you see our presentation or look at the piece. But I did want to share the findings. Like for example, cover zero, best route concept against it, Y cross. Now I caution sample sizes here because Y cross was our single lone one receiver concept. Any route that sort of had an inside receiver slaughter tight end running that crossing route got the sort of Y cross tag. And there might be some methodology flaws to that, but for reasons that I won't dive into, that was Y cross for us. That was the best route concept against cover zero straight man coverage. And it makes sense, right? Cover zero, all up blitz, man coverage behind it. If you can get that easy throw to that inside receiver on that crosser, Nice, easy concept to throw. So Y cross was the best play against cover zero. Cover one, drive. And this one I thought was a bit interesting of a finding. It kind of makes sense, right? Because you get drive, you have, you know, a dig route from an inside receiver and a shallow crossing route from the outside receiver. That was how we defined drive. It kind of makes sense, right? Because the inside receiver releases a bit more vertically, creates a little bit of traffic. You get that sort of natural rub off that for the shallow cross and in the piece you will see you know i have film examples of each you know plays that we tagged as you know on this one drive versus you know cover one boom there it is seahawks um running it against um the i think it's the atlanta falcons yeah the atlanta falcons and you see an example of it and so you have that sort of natural rub the shallow crosser against man coverage it's a nice little one I'm going to skip cover two because cover two was the one that actually made the most sense to me going in and coming out. Now we go to cover two, man, and this kind of made sense to verticals, right? You have the two vertical routes. You get that potential inside guy working up the cover two, attacking the middle of the safety, trying to get on the top of a linebacker perhaps. That sort of made sense to me. Tampa two, this was interesting. 
Tampa 2, our most successful concept against Tampa 2 in our findings was what we termed Portland. It's almost like Yankee, where you've got a post from one side of the field and a dig from the other side. Mills is post-dig from the same. Portland is post-dig from the opposite sides. Some have termed it cross-country Mills. We found that was most successful against Tampa 2, which kind of makes sense, I think. I found an example of it. You could see the dig and the post sort of bracket that middle-of-the-field runner. Something tells me there's also a sample size issue there as well, but that's what came up against Tampa 2 was that Portland concept. Cover 3, the most successful against Cover 3, I would have told you going in it's probably Mills or Yankee, right? Mills or Portland, where you high-low that middle-of-the-field safety. Space in. Space in concept where you just get guys curling up and finding zones, finding soft spots against underneath zones. That was the most successful against Cover 3. That stunned me. That stunned me. Cover four, we found Cab was the most successful one. Outside receiver on a dig, inside receiver on a shallow crosser. And I think that kind of makes sense because you can sort of get in front of, that shallow can get in front of the underneath defenders and the dig can get you know, behind the underneath defenders and in front of the two safeties. And so you're kind of attacking the two natural high lows there in cover four. Cover six, shallow cross where you get a dig from one side and a crosser from the other but I think that's again a sample size issue and I'm always wary of saying anything cover six is like schematically related because cover six is a combo of cover four and cover two and it's just I always spidey senses start tingling when people start saying you know cover six is this or that or the other thing it's it's a it's a sample size thing so I you know there's that let's go back to cover two because this is the one out of all of the findings in this entire process that I was like, yeah, this one makes sense to me, Mr. Film Guy. Cover two, the most successful coverage we found was what we call diagonal nine, which is really go flat. Go receiver, on, go route on the outside, flat route from the slot receiver. And it makes complete sense. Why? Think of it starting this way. What's one of the soft spots of cover two? The turkey hole, the honey hole, whatever you want to call it. The outside, along the sideline, deep downfield, past the corner, forcing that half-field safety to get to the sideline. That's the soft spot. That's the whole shot that every quarterback analyst wants to see if a quarterback can make that whole shot throw. So that's it right there. And if the corner sinks to squeeze that window, then you get the easy throw to the flat route. And so it wasn't really a surprise to me that diagonal nine or curl flat, I mean, you know, go flat was the best concept against cover two. And think about it this way, right? Think about it this way. If a defense has to adjust itself because of what a route concept does against it, something tells you that that's a successful route concept against that defense. Why do teams run palms? Why do teams run five cougar? These variations of cover two. Why do they do it? To stop curl flat, right? I think of palms or two trap where the corner is in a zone drop, but he's reading two to one. And if he sees one vertical, two break to the flat, he traps that flat route from the slot receiver. That's to stop go flat. Or five cougar, which I've talked about before in the show, where that outside corner actually does a man turn, but he's still looking over his inside shoulder to read that corner. And if he sees corner break flat, he's going to peel off and jump it. That's a vicious Saban design, Belichick design, five Cougar, all to stop, go flat. 
So that's the like one pairing that made absolute sense to me because anytime a defense is saying, look, if we run this, they're going to hit us with curl flat, with go flat. I keep saying curl flat. We're going to have a variation to call against that, to bait the quarter, quarterback into thinking, oh, I'm getting that guy sinking vertically, or he's even covering that going to man coverage look. I could throw the flat route. Oh my gosh, he's jumped it. Oh my gosh, it's a pick six. Oh my gosh, I'm getting benched. So that one made sense to me. So a lot of words, a lot of stuff I just said, a lot of nerdy football stuff. If you're interested in that, check out the piece over at USA Today Touchdown Wire. Also, I'm going to be doing more data stuff. I've got the books around me. I'm going to try to dive into stuff like this. I'm hopeful that I can, you know, come up with a cool data piece each week. I don't know if I'll have R solidified in my mind by then, but I'm going to try. If not, I'm at least going to scrape some stuff from Ben Baldwin's site. Running backs don't matter. RBSDM.com because he has code up there where you can just scrape it, copy and paste it. It's cool stuff. Um, As somebody that's more of the film guy, there's some cool stuff that's being done on the data side too, and it's fascinating to try to put to, put it together. This was one of my f- somewhat successful attempts at doing that. Anyway, friends, that's enough for me. I will be back next week to talk about preseason game one and look ahead to preseason game two. Until then, friends, stay safe, wash your hands, keep doing it. I, I know it's been an absolute grind. I know it. My family, we had a bit of a a COVID sort of scare. Everybody's fine. Don't worry about it. Coach Vass, at at Coach Vass on Twitter, Chris Vassor, he is still in the hospital with COVID. Um, Coach Vass, we're thinking of you. We love you. Send Coach Vass your thoughts, at Coach Vass on Twitter. Keep his morale up and his spirits up. This COVID thing's still going on. We're still sort of dealing with it. Um, So, like I said, wash the hands, wear the masks. I know, I know, it's annoying. It's no, 97 degrees with 110% heat index today in D.C. Um, I had to run around, do some errands, get the mask on. I know, it's not fun, but we we got to try doing it um, just because, you know, we got to beat this thing. We got to come together and beat this thing. So let's try to come together and beat this thing the best we can. So do all that stuff. Do this. Do the right things. Stay safe. Wash the hands. Check in on your neighbors. And wash your hands. And when you do, sit a walk. Bless you.